You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Bridge to You podcast, hosted by yours truly, Monique Russell, where we focus on diversity, inclusion, and understanding for Black cultures through conversations that help us connect to ourselves and each other. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bridge to You podcast. I am your host, Monique Russell. Oh, my goodness, Bridge to You listeners, listeners, family, how have you been? It's been a minute since we have had a solo episode where I get to share what I've been up to, some new insights, teachings, learnings, and wrap up what we have learned so far. This year is off to an incredible start. Um, I've had the opportunity to go to four countries in the first quarter of this year, mainly for business, some fun, some play, but mainly for business. Kicked off in Puerto Rico, then to Guyana in South America, to the Middle East in Dubai, and wrapped up in East Africa in the beautiful country of Kenya. So there's something that I want to really point out in terms of the communications and leadership observations that I've noticed when we're doing cross-cultural business, cross-border business, there's one thing that stands out and that is trust. Global trust in business is an absolute necessity. It is something that we have to pay attention to because without it, We will find ourselves in places trying to build relationships with people, do business, make things happen, and then you won't find much progress. I'll also say that, you know, 80% of the communication is nonverbal. So using words, if necessary, is the first point that I really want to make clear to each one of you that are listening. This is applicable whether you are in your job, whether you are in your family, but most importantly, when you are doing business across countries, you have to pay attention to the fact that a lot of communication is nonverbal. Doing your due diligence is essential. Gaining market access is not as simple as getting on a plane, getting on a boat, landing in a country and having a few meetings. You have to do your due diligence to understand your audience. Understanding your audience means knowing who is currently in power, how long they've been in power, what the agenda is. Take time to actually read the newspaper, follow up on things and trends that have been happening so that as you are making your suggestions, recommendations, and insights, it can be specific and relevant to your audience. I remember when I was in Guyana helping to facilitate some leadership conversations, one thing that really stood out to me is is the timing. So if the meeting was scheduled for, say, 30 minutes, that meeting would be um, held, and two hours later, we're still there talking. (laughs) And it was something that my colleague and I, we had to really pay attention to as we noticed that pattern 
where people were so eager to share and they were eager to share because they had a platform where they were able to be heard and they were able to be seen and they were being heard by people who were interested in seeing them win and helping them to succeed. That's the first point. When you are thinking about gaining buy-in, it's, it's a reciprocal process of giving and receiving. And if you're able to give the gift of listening, you will be able to receive more information and more wisdom from which you will be able to have a successful outcome. Something I also observed was just really the importance of protocol. Having to meet and connect with government leaders, it had been a while since I had brushed up on my government protocol, my government etiquette. Oh my goodness, I know I probably made some faux pas <laughs> at the dinner table. But nonetheless, don't take these things lightly. They are critical areas that will help you to build rapport or accelerate rapport with your audience when you are entering a new space or you're entering a new country. and. I will also say when we're thinking about organizations that are helping to keep their top talent engaged, to stop the brain drain, either in a country or a community or a company, no one wants to have their best engaged people leave. In our previous episode with Anthony Cole, we learned about the topic around entrepreneurship and what the impact of someone who is highly engaged in their corporate role, what that does to the work environment, what that does to the people around them, and how it's sort of a win-win partnership. This is what I want to hone in on for you that are listening to this episode. So it's not an either or. We're in a space right now where the workplace has changed, not that it is changing, it has already changed. Many are interested in starting a business alongside their corporate role or starting a business completely independent of their corporate role. If you are leading someone who happens to be in that space of wanting to do both simultaneously, you're actually in a really great position. The key is for you to identify who those individuals are and find ways to engage them, to motivate them, and to keep their level of fulfillment high. When this happens, it's a win-win-win partnership for the organization, for the individual, and for you as the leader. Again, use words if necessary. It requires you to pay attention to the nonverbals and as well as the verbals to follow existing protocols and to accelerate rapport. I want to talk about a time when I went to Kenya. Oh my goodness. Every time I land on the African continent, there is an electric shock that goes through my system. My body gets lit on fire. And when I landed in the beautiful country of Kenya, let me first say, I was so impressed going through customs and immigration because it took literally 15 minutes. You heard me, one five, 15 minutes. I had to ask myself, am I really in Africa? Because I will tell you, I have gone through customs and immigration in South Africa, Nigeria, Ghana, and it definitely was in 15 minutes. Even in the Caribbean, in my hometown, where I grew up in the beautiful islands of the Bahamas. It sure wasn't no 15 minutes. So kudos to you, Kenya, 
for having your systems and your organization in order. The whole experience was extremely impressive. The Kenyan people are so friendly. They're so warm. Customer service is on 10. I was absolutely impressed with the level of the technology payments, the mobile wallet, the M-Pesa, and how it was so integrated into many different aspects of society. I was able to go to the remote village and spend half a day with the Maasai tribe, an indigenous community. And when we now go back to this topic about trust, global trust in business, and in your interactions, the Maasai community is an indigenous community in a remote village outside of Nairobi, Kenya. And many people, they have glorified or they have romanticized the indigenous people. And with that comes some sort of connection from a spectacle standpoint. But when I centered my audience and I was grateful for the experience and the connection, the second point that I'm dropping here is you go first, you take the lead, you go first with trust. I was able to bring gifts to the Maasai community, which automatically helped to accelerate rapport that I wasn't there to come and take, but I was there to collaborate, to share, to gift, not collaborate in the sense that we're doing business, but a communications encounter of collaboration. Not that I was coming there to observe some spectacle or observe some some fantasy or romanticize their culture, but to learn, to learn and to exchange and to build trust. Trust is communicated with your actions. It's communicated with your behavior. You absolutely do not need to use words in order to communicate trust. In fact, many of the people in the community could not even speak English. Some did, some didn't. But upon leaving, I was told by a translation that the experience they felt with my presence was one that they hadn't felt from anyone before entering their compound. When I think about taking the lead, you go first, building trust, communicating across borders, across cultures, taking into consideration different nuances. It just reminded me of the time when I was in Dubai and I happened to speak at the International Women's Leadership Conference held by Ms. Ibukun Owoshika. Throughout that conference, there were many different speakers and many different leaders, government leaders, CEOs, executives, tycoons, everyone there with a purpose to grow, to connect, to close business, to do deals, to make an impact. One of the professors who spoke was Kandip Mehta, and he talked about negotiation. And in that negotiation workshop, there was an exercise that was so powerful that it allowed people to see the gap in how they approach negotiation. Let me tell you something. This exercise was an exercise in trust. As simple as it was, it took about 20, 25 minutes in pairs and in in triads and groups of twos and threes. And throughout the process, it became very clear and evident what emotions were being led in the process of negotiation. 
So when we talk about building trust, sometimes we are expecting the other person to make the first move. We are bringing in whatever nuances or whatever biases are there and we're holding back or we're being very reserved in terms of how we are connecting or choose to connect. Sometimes we even take a retaliatory approach. Someone does something wrong. It's like, okay, you did that to me. I'm going to do that right back to you. But if you want to be effective, you're going to have to really go lean in and take that first move. If you want an encounter or a relationship to be trustworthy or built on a trust foundation, you're going to have to go ahead and take the lead first. You're going to have to make the first move that says, hey, I want to trust you in this encounter until you've been proven otherwise. It takes time to build trust. It takes time to build a relationship. I don't want you to go into a communications encounter, a difficult conversation, uh, breaking into a new country, trying to gain market access, building a relationship in your company or your organization, trying to stop the brain drain blindly. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you have to be strategic. You have to be prepared. There are stereotypes. There are biases. Do not go in assuming that there are no stereotypes against you, that there are no biases against you, because you will set yourself up to fail. In this big, beautiful, global world of connection and personality and culture and religion and thought processes and variety of perspectives, as you are building your impact, as you're building your global relationships and connections, and if you're in a corporate company, a multinational company, as you're just working across teams, you have to be aware that there are stereotypes, there are biases that are, are against you. And instead of hiding from them, assuming that they don't exist, getting upset, yelling and shouting, you know, treat me fairly, treat me fairly, have a plan to confront them as you engage. Let me explain and give you an example. So a lot of times when I am in an environment, a business environment, I've been told that I look really young. Now, this is me right now in my midlife aspect. I'm still told that I look really young. People are, they are shocked when they learn that I have kids that are in college. And you can imagine how much more this was exacerbated when I was starting my freelance business over a decade ago. I probably looked like I was five years old. <laughs> and so my age became a stereotype or a barrier that I didn't have information. I was naive. And actually that naivety is a superpower for me today. And I had to address this stereotype and I had to address this barrier anytime that I knew I was entering a space that I had to do business with people that would hold this against me. There's no point in me crying about it. There's no point in me saying it shouldn't be this way. It actually is. And so as we begin to move forward, we have a plan for that. Some of the things that I've done in the past, especially when I've had a speaking engagement or I've had a presentation to give or I needed to be an advisory role with men and women who pretty much could be my parents or grandparents, 
I'd make sure that I start to build a rapport and address and confront the bias quickly, early, and head on. For example, if I'm in a presentation, I might use the fact in my introduction that I have children and my my oldest and youngest are out of the house. I'm empty nesters with my husband because my kids have been gone off to college. Immediately, it starts the people in the audience to think, ooh, she's having kids that are in college? She looks like she's in college. <laughs> so again, I'm automatically already addressing the bias. I'm confronting the bias. I'm shaking the psyche and I'm starting to get the wheels turning because the last thing I want to do is to take up your mental space and your mental cognitive load with a bias that blocks me from getting the information that I really want you to get to get to you. Everything is mental energy. So I need to move that clutter out of your mental space as fast as possible. Something else I have done in the past is I would use humor or I would confront that bias directly by saying, Now, I know that you might look at me and you might think that I'm actually in college. I've had that said to me before, but I've taught at the university level for over seven years before I was made a SME, a subject matter expert. Okay, again, I'm leading with the bias. I'm confronting the bias. I'm counteracting the bias so that I can move past this and get to the main point. So that is my tip here for you. We talked about trust. We talked about going first, you taking the lead, you using words if necessary. We talk about having a plan to address the stereotypes and a plan to address the bias. As you begin to go into different countries and different cultures, you'll encounter biases that really would be frustrating. It would piss you off. But if you don't know how to navigate and how to maneuver you won't get to the result that you truly want to get. This is not about being fake. I want to address this aspect of being fake because sometimes people feel as though doing something like this or adjusting their communication style in different environments means that they're not being true to themselves and they're not being genuine or authentic. That's not true. That's an excuse. That's an excuse that you don't want to take the information, the awareness, the techniques and strategies and put them into place. You're being lazy and you just want to be selfish. That's like saying you're going to Japan and everyone speaks Japanese and you don't want to accommodate. You don't want to learn Japanese. You don't even want to say, konnichiwa, watashi wa, Monique desu. You don't want to say, hello, my name is Monique. You don't even want to make an effort because you just want to show up and speak English and expect everyone to accommodate. That is the example that I will use for you when you choose not to be flexible and nimble in your communication style and your communication approach. And quite frankly, this is not a goal or a skill for everyone. It's for those who aspire to be global leaders, who are global citizens and see themselves as global citizens, which you are because you are listening to this show and each and every single one of you is brilliant. So the last and the final thing I want to say is to leave the place better than you found it. When you're moving into a new environment, into a new country, when you're connecting with new people, leave the place better. 
this is all about energy. It's about an energetic exchange. And when I went to Guyana, I was able to volunteer through a innovation and business seminar in partnership with a church where I donated time and energy and talent to give information, to empower the young people who are now able to execute some of the plans that they came up with through that seminar. We're also able to partner with a local Guyanese firm in order to help continue that support. I know one thing coming up in the Bahamas, growing up in the islands, there was always this idea or this thought that people from the outside were coming in and taking opportunities. Doesn't matter what country you're in, you hear the same story in the United States where people are afraid like, oh, foreigners are coming in and they're taking our opportunities. You go in the Middle East, you hear all of the same types of stories, not exactly the same, but there's a similar undertone. You hear it in Africa, you hear it in Latin America. And so there is this, this notion where people have a fear of other folks coming in and taking opportunities and not partnering with local people. This is also a passion of mine. I believe in helping to form self-sustaining communities, self-sustaining countries, self-sustaining companies, so we can stop that brain drain. Because what ends up happening is when you have engaged people that leave, leave their country, they leave and they take their talent with them. And there is that brain drain that happens. And so if we want to keep them engaged or we want to attract folks to come back to where they have been before and contribute, there needs to be a set of skills and environment that is conducive to supporting and welcoming and empowering those to come back and bring their skills and talents. Leave the place better than you found it. Whenever you go into an environment, find somewhere, some opportunity where you can donate, where you can give back, when you can empower. Even if you're going on vacation, it's an energetic exchange. Maybe you can give some business advice to someone. Remember when I was in Dubai in 2019, someone that I met on a tour, I was able to actually spend additional time, bring in some additional people to go on his tour and help him to restructure his business. Now his business has over 463 reviews on TripAdvisor. And we're still connected via WhatsApp. The same thing happened in another country with a tour guide. And I will tell you, I can't wait to see what's going to happen with this recent experience in Kenya. When I was in Kenya, I had the opportunity to go and visit one of the largest slums in Kenya. And when I tell people this, they respond in one of two ways, either one of disgust, why would you want to go there? Or one of, hmm, that's interesting. Thank you for doing that. And it wasn't actually something that was planned but it was something that came up and it was orchestrated and organized for me once I communicated this uh, with my driver. I was able to go, I was able to support a local school. I was able to see the conditions of the people, I'm not with any type of judgment. One thing I believe in is understanding the big picture from all angles. 
if I go into a country and I'm able to meet with government leaders, I'm able to meet with corporate professionals, business owners, and I experience tours, I also want to see how the lowest of the lowest of people who are struggling and suffering live. I want to hear their stories. I want to get their perspectives because it gives you a much better approach. This must be the consultant in me that wants to get the story from all angles or the journalist in me, I should say. And so I had that opportunity to go there, to give back, to serve, to donate, and to encourage. And so I will always say, leave the place better than you found it. If you are in an organization, leave the place better than you found it. If you are in a new community environment, leave the place better than you found it. If you are in a new country, another country, a different country, different from your own, leave the place better than you found it. Until next time, listeners, I want to thank you so much for sticking with us. I want to thank you so much for listening to our episode today. Let me know your thoughts. What do you think and feel about global trust in business? What do you think and feel about using words only if necessary? Take the lead. You go first with trust. Address your bias. Have a plan for stereotypes when you are engaging in communications encounters. And certainly, and most importantly, leave the place better than you found it. Until next time, take care and be well. Thanks for listening to the Bridge to You podcast. Visit ClaireCommunicationSolutions.com or connect with me on LinkedIn, Monique Russell, or Instagram at ClearCommunicationCoach. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.